Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, as we do week by week, we ask you to be here with us in this place this morning, and we trust that you're here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Today's uh, reading from Isaiah chapter 40 is perfectly selected for Epiphany, this season that we're in right now. As J.D. has been talking about for several weeks, Epiphany is the season during which we consider God's revelation of himself to the world, his appearing. Christmas, of course, is when he actually arrives, the incarnation. But this season, Epiphany, the season after Christmas, is when we sort of think about the impact that his coming must necessarily have on us and the world. Something has happened. Nothing can ever be the same. And Isaiah gets at that with his exclamation. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Didn't you notice? Hasn't someone told you? Everything's different now. But interestingly, Isaiah, if you notice in the reading, makes this declaration twice. Have you not, home, have you not known? Have you not heard? In verse 21 and again in verse 28. But then he follows them with two different things that we're supposed to know. Two different things that we need to hear. The first time in Isaiah 40, verse 21 and following, at the beginning of our reading, he says this, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. This is Isaiah's first exclamation, his first announcement. Don't you know how awesome God is? Haven't you heard? He sits above the circle of the earth. You earthlings are like grasshoppers. Even rulers of the earth are nothing compared to God. This is announcement one. God is awesome. You are not. But then, in verse 28 and following, Isaiah has another exclamation. He starts it exactly the same way. Have you not known? Have you not heard? But then he says something different. Listen. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So far, the same. God is great. But now, he says, he gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So this is announcement two. If announcement one was God is awesome and you are not, announcement two is God is giving. God is gracious. God is merciful. These two announcements, have you not known? Have you not heard? God is great and God is merciful. Are God's two announcements to his people And as is our custom, we'll deal with them in the order that God makes them, the same order that uh, Isaiah announces them in. First, the bad news. Announcement one, God is awesome, and you are not. Compared to me, says the Lord, you're a grasshopper, less than a grasshopper. Even your princes and kings are nothing compared to me. Do you remember... What the Lord says to Job when Job finally confronts him about all the stuff that's going on in his life. You know the story. Uh, the Lord and Satan make a sort of wager about the faithfulness of Job. Job is a good man, beloved by God, and he loves the Lord. And Satan is sure that Job only loves God because of how good God is to Job. Right? Satan assumes that their relationship is transactional, that it's a two-way street. Job is only faithful because you've been faithful to him. He only loves you because you love him. And to prove that that's not true, God allows Satan to torture Job, decimating his family, killing his livestock, and eventually covering his body with awful sores. And to add insult to injury, while Job is undergoing all of this terrible suffering, he has three friends who come and visit him and tell him over and over that he must have wronged God in some way for God to allow this to happen to him. See, his friends are thinking just like Satan. They assume that Job's relationship with God is transactional, that it's a two-way street. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You do for me, and then I'll do for you. If Job does good things, God will reward him. Job must, therefore, have done bad things because God is punishing him. And of course, vice versa. Job will only love God if God does good things for Job and will abandon the Lord when things go bad. And finally, after chapters and chapters of hearing this from his friends, that God rewards the good and punishes the bad, and chapters and chapters of steadfastly refusing to believe their charges, Job finally gets worn down. He finally starts to crack a little bit, and their accusations start to get to him. He wonders, maybe just for a minute, if it's possible that they're right. Maybe God does relate to us in this transactional, two-way street sort of way. You do for me, and only then I'll do for you. So finally, Job 
breaks down and goes to God and asks, hey, why are these things happening to me? And in Job chapter 38, God answers him. And here's what God says. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Have you entered the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare it if you know all this. Job, you are a grasshopper. Less than a grasshopper. In other words, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? I am the one who sits above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. I'm the one who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught, who makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Job, you are a grasshopper at best. And the same is true of us. Grasshoppers, each and every one of us, at best. And listen, I get it. It hurts to be called a grasshopper. It's demeaning. Sounds like bad news. And to us prideful people, being called a grasshopper really does seem like bad news. But the truth is that this is actually good news disguised as bad news. Because listen, all God is saying to Job and all Isaiah is saying with this first announcement to us is that we don't have a transactional relationship with God. Our relationship with Almighty God is not two-way for one simple reason. We don't have anything to offer. He doesn't need anything from us. He sits above the circle of the earth. We are the grasshoppers. But the result of being recognized as a grasshopper is that we are then introduced to the God of Isaiah's second announcement, the God who has good news for those people who can offer him nothing. If God does what he wants, regardless of what we do, it is good news that what our God wants is to give us mercy and grace. There's a gorgeous scene in uh, the film The Shawshank Redemption, in which Tim Robbins, who is an inmate at Shawshank Prison, rests control for just a few minutes of the prison public address system. He's sort of like locked in the warden's office. The warden is locked outside, and he can do whatever he wants. And what he chooses to do 
is to play Canzonetta Solaria, an incredibly gorgeous duet from Mozart's opera, The Marriage of Figaro, over the prison loudspeakers. And when this beautiful music starts spilling out into the prison yard, everyone stops dead in their tracks, looks up at the speakers, and listens. They're frozen by the beauty of the music. And Morgan Freeman's character says this, I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I'd like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you, those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a gray place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man in Shawshank felt free. Something so beautiful that can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. This is an announcement, a literal announcement over prison loudspeakers that makes these men feel free. Announcements can do that. But guess what? We have it even better Unlike an Italian opera sung by people we don't know in a language we don't understand that only makes us free for a moment, the song that sets us free is sung by a Savior we know, and we know exactly what he's saying, and it actually bursts the prison doors open. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, says... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to set you free. But how does it work? How does a God who sits above the circle of the earth give his mercy and grace to the grasshoppers? St. Paul puts it this way, and full confession, I'm cheating a little bit here. I'm combining a couple of sentences from two different letters. The beginning of what I'm going to say is from Philippians chapter 2, and the second part is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So I'm sort of putting them together Improving on the Bible a little bit, that's not for me to say. But here we go. This is what St. Paul says about how an almighty God who sits above the circle of the earth can give his mercy and grace to the grasshoppers. He says, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God above the circle of the earth, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For our sake, he who knew no sin became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The God who sits above the circle of the earth became a grasshopper for you and for me. And this is Isaiah's second announcement. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Yes, he is incredible. Yes, we are merely grasshoppers at best. But Isaiah's not done. He gives power to the faint. He strengthens the powerless. Even youths will be faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is a God who desires mercy, who offers grace. We are the grasshoppers. We are the faint. We are the powerless. We are the exhausted. We have nothing to offer. But thank God, our relationship with God is not transactional. It's not a two-way street. It's more like a one-way waterfall. We don't offer anything to God to earn his favor, and we don't offer anything to him in return for it. His love is like an overwhelming wall of water crashing down on us, and it just won't stop. It's inescapable. God loves us when we are weak. He doesn't love us less when we're weak. He knows we desperately need him in our weakness. And because of that, we don't abandon God when things go bad. That's when we cling to him all the more. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Our God is incredible. We aren't. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Our God is merciful. So we can update that Shawshank speech because we have a crystal clear idea to this day what our Savior Jesus Christ was singing about. The truth is we need to know and we need to hear it every single day. Some things have got to be said and shouted from the mountaintops. His song was so beautiful, it makes our hearts ache because of it. I tell you, his voice soars higher and farther than anybody in a gray place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made these walls dissolve away. And not just for a moment. But forever, every last person, you and me, 
has been set free. Jesus proclaims good news to the poor. The poor, like you. He proclaims liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. The captives and the blind, like you. He sets at liberty those who are oppressed. The oppressed, like you. And on account of him and the gift of his life for yours, you have received the Lord's favor. And you are free. Amen.